Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. The wind of the Drakkar's wings beat at Rand with a feel like the touch of slime, like chittering in the dark dimness of a nightmare. Rand Chapter 11. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is The Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. This week we are moving forward with our recap of chapters 11 through 14 in the Eye of the World. Yay! But Yay! <laughs> before we start, I kind of wanted to circle back to a question that we had talked about in a previous episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so much like fact check myself, but I did like a little digging online to see what I could find. You put and on your, it, your brown fringe? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it was when we covered the prologue of Eye of the World and we came mm, over mm -hmm. the question of Ishamael asking... Lose there and Telemond if he had the voice reversed or if yeah you're right you're right just the name flip um and I was able to find something out about that but I'll save it to for after the spoiler section because I Ooh. don't want to spoil anything for anyone oh that's exciting I love that um, it, it wasn't <clears throat> what I expected, so. <laughs> really? Really? No, not at all. Mm. Now I'm, okay, <clears throat> so we need to get started. I need to hear what Amber has to say about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> chapter 11, The Road to Terran Ferry. Let's go. The end of the last chapter, just to kind of pull things back into here, because I had that moment where I opened up chapter 11, and I've been, and I was like, oh, it's been three days since I read this. I have no idea where we were last. So we have all of our characters running as hard as they possibly can along the road and as far away from the Drakkar as possible. And this is quite literally a race for their lives. It is only a matter of time before the Midral and the Trollocs know which way to go, and so they must be fast. The end goal is to reach and cross the Terran River. It is just the Terran River, right? Like they I usually believe just so. They just yeah, say they, the Terran. <laughs> exactly. But I was like, but that could what is that a giant sand dune? Is it hmm. a weird sheer cliff face? Like what does it mean to cross the Terran? So I'm just gonna toss it out there that it's a giant river. It's a river. Um, I think most people have probably figured that out by now if they've read this. <laughs> and this will potentially get edited out. But whatever. As they're as they're racing, Rand is of course worried about Bella being able to keep up and Egwene possibly being left behind. He recognizes the fact that she may not necessarily be as important to um, Moraine's overall plan, and Rand of course feels this draw to protect her and to hope that she can still come along with them. But that good two those that good two rivers angst for anything having to do with a woman being hurt yeah maybe they maybe their chivalry needs to be turned down a notch or two could we bring it Dial down it guys down. 
bring it down. One of the things I appreciate and enjoy so very much about Robert Jordan is just the way that he writes and puts you into a scene. And I've said this before, but as they're racing through here, he writes, now and again, the lights of farmhouses flashed into sight then disappeared as quickly as imagination. And I mean, it's just, I love that, that it's just this whisper of a moment and then you're you're already past it. But before they know it, they have arrived at Watch Hill and in Watch Hill, they are still celebrating Beltine. And to like me, nothing like, happened. Nobody yeah, knows yet. I they were too fast. Yeah, I, I completely forgot that that, had even been a thing that was supposed to happen you know I'm all wrapped up in the story and them running away and Trollocs attacking and Tam almost dying and then all of a sudden it's like oh right they're, they're supposed to be merry making <laughs> yeah they're supposed to be partying right now they're supposed to be having a good time they're supposed to be dancing Rand's supposed to be falling all over himself because he doesn't know how to talk to a queen and Perrin's supposed to be wishing he knows how to talk to girls like Rand knows how to talk to girls and Matt's wondering when he can release the badger like that's what they're supposed to be doing right now but that is that is not what is happening so they take a break Moraine comes through and she's kind of moving among the horses and it like Rand discovers that what she's doing is washing away the tired the fatigue from each of the horses and as she's going through she comments that Bella has a good heart and as much stubbornness as the rest of you two rivers folk strange as it seems she may be the least weary of all so get it Bella there's so many reasons to love you (laughs) (laughs) And of course, before we can get too comfortable, because, you know, everybody's like leaning against their horses and thinking things are all good. We started the, the, the episode with that particular quote, a scream ripped the darkness, a sound like a man dying under sharp knives and wings sloop, slooped, swooped low above the party. And I won't repeat what Amber said because she did a beautiful job. I thank but, you. <laughs> you're welcome. But the horses lose their minds, and of course they do. And also, except for Mandarb and Aldia, our rock star horse stock. <laughs> I like how all the other horses are, like, freaking out, and Mandarb and Aldeeb are just like... <laughs> Like chill guys. Yeah, like this is no big deal. Exactly. Like, chill. It's just it's just a Dracar god, you guys. It, it's just Yeah, these two horses like could not care. They're like, we have been trained for this. Yep. All you shabby little two rivers Down horses. Country. Keep up. Exactly. <laughs> even you should be the, ashamed of your even Marines and Lands horses are snotty. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect and so true. So in this moment, what I really like is Lan's reaction to it because we really haven't seen Lan in action yet. And this isn't even Lan in action yet, but it is him like standing next to his horse. And the book says, on foot, Lan scans the sky. Scanned the sky, sword in one hand and reins in the other, the sleek black stallion stood quietly beside him. And I love this image of him like about to be motioned. And you know mm-hmm. Mandarb is in the same spot because he's a war trained horse. 
It Fuck almost yeah. reminds me of like a spaghetti western, like this gruff <laughs> man looking all like, yes. you know, like statuesque next to his horse that's just chilling. And then his you hear cloak that waving in the <laughs> tumbleweed rolls by. Yes. Okay, that's so good. That should Lan is the Marvel man confirmed. (laughs) With a water with a color changing cloak. Yeah. From now on, uh, his image has a smoke hanging out of the corner of his mouth while his hands reaching for his sword. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a promotion for smoking, by the way. <laughs> I hear it's bad for you. Okay, so this really underscores the fact that Lan is telling them they do not have a single minute to rest. It is urgent. They still need to get the fuck out of there. And the observation is made that the scream is heard in Watch Hill as well, and it cuts off all the noises of merrymaking, and everybody's paying attention to this. And Lance's like, get on your fucking horses, and let's get the hell out of it's here. time to ride. Exactly. And for some... Oh, Rand. For some reason, unlike everyone else, Rand has not gotten on his horse, and instead he is standing, sword drawn, looking for the Dracar to return. And he is completely unaware of the fact that he has done this. And maybe it was just like a subconscious reflection of what Lan was doing, but I can't imagine he didn't look kind of silly. And what was Cloud doing? Like, did Cloud just suddenly decide, oh, that's right. He like, he like jolted down at some point and stopped acting like an idiot. Yeah, at one point, Cloud tried to take off and Uh was dragging Rand by the reins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And And at another point, Cloud tried to buck him off. Right. There's so many like Western themes going on right now. We've got like some. (laughs) Yeah. And like this this next moment here for Rand, he put a hand on the pommel and reached the saddle in one leap as if he had been doing that as though as if he had been doing the like all his life. Me and words this morning were great. Hi ho cloud away. (laughs) Right. And I love the fact that he recognizes that this is kind of weird, too. Like, oh, fuck, I'm Superman. Yes. (laughs) I just like that moment. I just sat there and had that WTF expression on my face for a moment. And then I was like, go over it. I don't keep I don't think TV Rand is going to be this slick. I mean, I I don't know if the actor who plays Rand, how (laughs) proficient he is in horseback riding, but they can get a body double. Yeah. Only time will tell. I know. I'm I'm so curious to see how this is going to play out. So they're all back on the run again. And for some reason, I do not understand this. And maybe somebody gets this. Lan is trying to get them to all run in a single file. And instead, they're all like clumping up on top of each other. And of course they are. They're fucking terrified, Lan. Leave them, leave them be. Except for Gwen, who Rand like glimpses over and notice, notices that she's smiling in excited delight. And he's like, what the, what the fuck, Gwen, you little psycho. Right? <laughs> what the hell? Like, I really, in this moment, I just don't know what to think about her because she just seems so ridiculously oblivious to the danger that they have left behind that they are facing and she's like Wee! 
Maybe she just has this overwhelming confidence in Moraine. Like, she's already Ooh, okay. looking to Moraine as this legendary Aes Sedai figure, and she, she thinks can nothing anything. can happen. Like, okay. she's going to save us. I buy it. The other thing that just came to mind, though, is my uh, unfortunate habit of laughing at really inappropriate moments. So maybe this is just a Gwen's reaction. Maybe her scared face is actually her <laughs> smiling in delight. I'm yeah. so like on the verge of hysteria. This is what I look like. So Moraine, being the incredible Aes Sedai that she is, channels to create fog that will cover the riders on the road. And Lan says that that's great, Moraine, but there's really only one place that they can be going and Moraine is like, well, oh yeah, just chill out, Lan. I've got this. I'm mm-hmm. going to use the, the Madral slyness against it. But once Rand realizes that this fog that's surrounding him has been created by using the one power, he kind of like tries to shrink away from it. Like somehow it's going to hurt him or damage him <laughs> or something. And I'm just Ew. like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, what? My mind, it's touching me. Ugh. Like three-year-old whining, like ran seriously. These kids, man. I know. Like there are so many times where I'm just like pointing my finger and shaking it, and I try to remind myself that they're just young and dumb. I have to do that. So they ride for what seems like hours, and it probably was. And Rand, Rand's reaction is his hands had clutched his reins until he was not sure he could release them, and he wondered if he would ever walk properly again. <laughs> and I think that this is really good that they put this in here because riding a horse is fucking hard. And it's uncomfortable unless you're just kind of like walking and hanging out and sitting on the horse. Like once that horse is moving and you're bouncing around. So much chafing. (laughs) Has to be terrible. And in the fog, they're all wet and damp. Like that can't be good for your skin. I'm just I was just like, I'm I'm thankful that we have recognized the fact that this is a physically draining, exhausting experience. If this were me, I would have just been like, you know what? The Jakar can have me. My <laughs> thighs hurt so much. <laughs> I'm done. But they have arrived in Terran Ferry and faster than everyone anyone had probably ever made it before. And maybe that's true, maybe it's not, but whatever. Um, the description of the houses, I really enjoyed just because I'm an architect freak. And it says that tall houses sat on high redstone foundations to avoid flooding. So every year when the snows melt from the mountains, it floods the river, which mm-hmm. floods the little village. So they're built in a specific way. I meant to look into whether that was a thing or not. And I didn't. I, I feel like it okay. is. I feel, like, I feel it like, is. like it. I feel like for sure the idea of lifting things up so that floods and water don't affect them i mean that's venice in its entirety it's just a bunch of like held together logs and foundations and stuff it's just always underwater i mean not all of it thankfully just like the part that it's built on anyway so the folks in Amensfield, i'm gonna Try oh. to get through this faster. Sorry. I thought you were done. I know. Yeah, no, 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 you're totally fine. I got distracted <laughs> thinking about redstone foundations. Uh, the folks of Emmonsfield do not hold a very high opinion of the folks who live in Terry, Pl- Terry and Ferry, both a place and a thing. They are known for their slyness and their trickery. Those darn city slickers. Those Terran Ferry folk. 
Uh, so Land uses his super subtle approach of hammering his fist against the door until someone finally comes to answer it. And uh, I like that Matt first is like, I thought he told us to be quiet. And then second makes this weird joke. And he's like, because the the Terran Ferry guy, his name is Master High Tower. Tower. And Matt's like, he's never even seen a high tower. And all I can think of is Napoleon Dynamite. You know what I mean? <laughs> Your mom goes to college. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> the worst clapback ever. I was like, I don't, all right, Matt, whatever. Matt but is Napoleon Dynamite confirmed. I love this idea. <laughs> vote for Pedro slash Coffin. I was just going to say vote for Equine. <laughs> that's a good one, too. But this is also one of those moments where we realize that Lan and Moraine solve everything with gold and mm-hmm. money. And they just pave their path with it this everywhere just they a, go. Yeah, it's like, um, it's a nice little nod to New Spring Moraine. Exactly, just- yeah. Don't worry. I have 10 more leather pouches of gold coins hanging out in my saddlebags. It's fine. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> Her poor horse? God. <laughs> <laughs> this is heavy. Do you have to carry so much coin, Maureen, really? Anyway, I I always think that's funny. They just, I mean, there's, it's not like there's an ATM machine around the corner, you know? This but is they true. always have money. And we even... Being an American living in Europe, do you know what really sucks? Mm-mm. Is the euro and two euro coins. My purse gets so freaking heavy Ooh. and... It, it, it accumulates, and I hate coins in general. Yeah. I know mm-hmm. that people, like, you're supposed to like them because it's, like, metal and not paper. Right. When you it's put, so heavy. If you only have a large amount and you put it into a, like, if I want to buy a ticket for the train and mm-hmm. I only have, like, a 20-euro bill, it sounds like I hit the jackpot in a casino. <laughs> All of the coins coming out, clink, clink, clink. And then I get embarrassed because people look at you. <laughs> Anyways, across the Terran. Yes. Okay. So here's the setting. The group is all dismounting and the fog has enveloped everything around them. It is so thick they can barely see. Houses in the distance appear to be floating in a sea of mist. Another great little... Mm-hmm. sentence there it's beautiful rand is sore from writing and everyone is grumpy tired damp and hungry grumpy yeah i love that yes they're hangry <laughs> i would be too i would be too and rand soon realizes before he knows that he's standing on the dock of the ferry landing and mm-hmm. they are with the ferrymen and Lan kind of gestures to the boys in the group to pull their cloaks aside to show off their weapons. Right. And there's six men, the ferrymen and Master Hightower, the man who owns the ferry, I believe. I absolutely have to mention Tom's approach to this. Please look like you know how to use weapons. Just, just wait. I'll okay, get to yay, it. Yay, yeah. Yay, yay. Because I was just like, we have to... I yes. just didn't want to make my recap like 30 minutes. But but that's what I do. I mean, Amber. <laughs> well, I mean, 
it is what it is. No, so, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please, please. <laughs> Someday I will learn to be concise. Someday I will not go on tangents. It will happen. Your tangents are making me happy, though. I'm so glad. <laughs> but I, if there's something that I really kind of want to talk about, then I'll just throw it at the end for Ooh, okay. the spoilery section. So, Master oh, I like High- knowing that. Okay, it's, That's yeah, helpful. it's there. <laughs> cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, Master Hightower wants more gold for passage across the river, but Lana's like, chill, you'll get your second half when we get to the other side. And the fog is seeming to follow them while they float slowly across the river. And everything's quiet and kind of eerie. So. Very. Rand is kind of thinking to himself that there's more water on this river than he's ever seen in his life. Yeah. And he's feeling very nervous as they are crossing. Mm-hmm. And so he, we kind of get this moment where there's hushed voices between him and Lan. Mm. And he's talking to Lan about why Lan wanted the boys to show off their weapons. And Lan kind of explains that in this dense of fog, even a man who was probably a good man might be might have the potential to see these travelers as easy pickings and with no one else being able to see what's going on it would make robbing them a lot more advantageous I guess like there would Mm -hmm. be no witnesses exactly there's temptation there yeah 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 and so he didn't want them to be kind of emboldened to rob them. And mm-hmm. Lan kind of eases Rand's fears and says, like, don't worry, they're crossing now, and for now they're safe. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so For now. Group, yeah, for now. So the group safely makes it across the river. Matt and Perrin are talking amongst, themse- amongst themselves, observing that despite what they've been told about the Terran River, it's nearly not as wide as they had thought. <laughs> and again, like, I kind of feel like this is them trying to kind of, like, puff up their chests. Like, we yeah. were never scared. Like, yeah. we were never scared. Psh, it's nothing. Yeah. So Master Hightower is being pretty impatient, and he's like, all right, time to pay me. So land pays him, and then the dock landing starts to crack, and the ferry breaks apart, and it is sucked into a <laughs> whirlpool on a river. Um, I loved how Master Hightower was like, go get it, you idiots, and they like stand there for a second, and rightly so. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are they supposed to do? <laughs> like, dive in. I'm going to pull up a sinking boat? No thanks. Right? How... All right, man. This is another chill out moment. Mm -hmm. Your hand is filled with gold. Literally. Yeah. And then this is one of these moments where I just have to kind of like roll my eyes at Moraine and being like, girl, like you did that. You did them (laughs) dirty. I know that you had to do it. But the way that she says it afterwards, it's like, could you make it any more obvious? Or maybe she wanted Mm -hmm. it to be obvious because she didn't want them to try and rob her. But she's like, you know, they're like, it's very unfortunate that this had to happen on Mm -hmm. our crossing. Like, you know, like, what a coincidence. Oh, I don't know what happened. You mean there's never been a whirlpool in this river before? How weird. This is just bizarre, guys. (laughs) Yeah. And then what I love is that as soon as Lan pays them, (laughs) like, Master Hightower literally runs off. Like, 
yeah, road runner. Like but me, to and he's where? Out. <laughs> where exactly. is he going? Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. How do they get back across the the river? Do, do, do they, they just can't. shout? Hey! <laughs> Build another ferry. Is there another? Maybe there's another ferry service on the other side. Maybe. Let's hope. They're competing businesses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. These so, are the things that I, that like run through my brain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As they get ready to depart, it becomes apparent that the fog is very curious, doing curious things, and it only stays on the one side of the river. And Tom is really worried about that Drakkar showing back up. And Moraine explains that the fog on the river will kind of give the illusion that they're traveling by boat. And that since she's an Aes Sedai, she would be using the fog to cover their Mm -hmm. tracks. Yeah. So and this is what she was referencing when she said that she was going to use the Merdral's slyness against it. They make their way to an area on the side, like off to the side of the river where Lan reveals this little hiding place under a tangle of washed up like trees and branches. Just a nice little hidey hole. Yeah. Uh, The horses are fed and then they hear the Jakar scream as it's searching the river for the group. So apparently Mm -hmm. Moraine's trick has worked. Yep. As the group settles in, Moraine and Egwene have a hushed lesson on the one power, and it is revealed that Egwene can channel like mm-hmm. Moraine and has the potential to become a very strong channeler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and that concludes that chapter. I, I love the moment when she turns around. She's like, I'm going to be a nice guy. And she's mm-hmm. just like, I don't I feel like there are a couple endings to these chapters. The, I think chapter... Yeah, I think chapter 13, our next one, has that same kind of, like, da-da-da kind of ending to it. Does that make sense to mm-hmm. you? Where it's like, yeah. now here's the, here's the next thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the next thing. Chapter 13 choices. But this, is, this is really creating a lot of drama between Rand and Egwene because... Ooh, big time. Yeah, the boys are like, oh, shit. Yep. Like, oh, God. But I, I can understand they don't trust Moraine and they think that they they think probably that Egwene is getting wrapped up in some culty like business. So mm-hmm. I can understand that if your friend was like, Yeah, I joined this joined this really weird church and yeah, uh, yeah. like they come and take your kids away and you you know what I mean? Like Exactly. Exactly. Well and I mean they have it out in chapter thirteen. Yeah. You know. So if you're ready to move on to that, I'm ready to move on to that. Indeed. Indeed. Quite. Quite. <laughs> so before everyone settles in to rest that night, Maureen goes around and wipes the fatigue from them the same way that she had done with the horses earlier. And Egwene is eager for it. Matt and Perrion are clearly frightened. I like how she smiles mockingly at Tom in this moment when he tries to pull away from her. I don't. Poor Tom. Poor Tom. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so Maureen has gone around. She's wiped the fatigue from everyone. And they rest, but only for a short moment of time. Like, I think maybe they slept for like an hour. So this is kind of a nap and a refresh. And when they get up, 
the next morning and they're all on their horses and everything. Rand's like, I never thought I would be this far away from home. And Aguin makes fun of them because Matt and Perrin also jump in and are like, don't worry, we'll be back in just a few months. So Rand spends the day... <laughs> Or he spends the morning daydreaming about tending sheep with his dad while they ride. And tending sheep just must be way better than I think it might have been. Because <laughs> Maybe it's so, a lot of fun. You know what? Because so often they're like, I wish I was home farming tobacco and shearing sheep with my dad. I'm like, is it that great? Am I missing something? <laughs> I just thought maybe I was missing something. The journey to their destination takes a little less than a week, so it sounds like they're basically riding for about six days, I think, at this point, and it sounds terribly dull. It's cold and windy, and the surrounding areas have been hit just as hard, like this winter, as the two rivers, and there's a lack of birds that Rand notices, not even ravens. We get kind of just a tiny introduction to El... How, how do you say it? Is it Aldeeb? I always just read it as Aldeeb. So for Aldeeb and Mandar, to me, they're main characters. I love Moraine's <laughs> love for her horses. I, and even Lan, you can tell that these horses are custom, chosen, trained, put through their paces by their owners. Mm-hmm. And knowing Moraine from New Spring and how she looked after her horse and everything, I'm just like, <laughs> I love it even more. But the road behind them remains empty of Trollocs or figures in black cloaks, and the sky remained empty of Drakkar. Slowly, Rand began to think perhaps they really had escaped. (sighs) Yeah. That's all I've got for that. Perrin sees a farm in the distance and remarks that it's the same as back home. And Matt says, not possible. The first night. <laughs> These kids are killing me. It's just so funny. Perrin's like, it's it looks just like it looks just like back home. And Matt's like, you're a fool. Shut your We're face. We're basically in a different country right now. Right. They couldn't be any different. Any right? more different. Have to be. Anyway, so the first night that they camp, Lan starts teaching each one of the boys how to use their weapons, except for the bow, of course, because they're all badasses with a bow. Way to go, mm-hmm. Two Rivers boys. <gasps> Two Rivers Archery Club t-shirt. I think, uh, you know who has a really cool one? I was going to say, somebody has to have that. Josh has, Josh from Black Tower Podcast has Two Rivers Sniper shirt, and it's nice. archery. Ooh, I like it. I like it. That needs to be a thing if it isn't, or more of a thing. Josh, improve upon your idea. I demand it. I don't even know what it looks like, so this is a ridiculous (laughs) demand. (laughs) The idea is brilliant. Mm -hmm. So what happens is Lan teaches Perrin, like, the basics with his axe, but then he goes to Lan, or I'm sorry, to Rand, and starts teaching him how to use his sword and it's more like dancing than the leaping around that Rand thought it was Mm -hmm. and Lan starts to explain how to use the flame in the void and Rand recognizes it and Lan or Lan told him to use the like the Cody and Rand is like it's like the void and my da my da already taught me about the void when we were hanging out with our sheep that's all we (laughs) talked about was how to not think about anything because it was so damn boring (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was the real reason. Anyway, Lan, Lan's reaction to this is just to kind of look at Rand, and I think that that is telling. Uh, Tom tells stories every night. How wonderful to travel with a gleeman. Yay! But no flute or harp, because other people may hear that. So 
I guess Aww. probably. Yay! Aww. Right? <laughs> Do you think maybe he at least sang a little bit? Or even that was too much? Just stories. Maybe a little humming, a little whistling. <laughs> By the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't with it the, be bad? With the best tumbleweed. <laughs> Tom just played the kazoo. <laughs> Or a fucking recorder like your elementary kid gets. Oh no. Oh no. His his of course has gold filigree around it. Yeah. It's very fancy. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving along. So this this comes back to what you were saying about like how Rand and Egwene are kind of at each other. Mm-hmm. Because so far this whole thing seems like smooth sailing. They're hanging out. They're telling stories. They're learning how to use weapons. Blah, blah, blah. But they managed to raise their tension themselves whenever it was in danger of vanishing. Thank you, Robert mm-hmm. Jordan. That is a perfect way of putting that situation. Mm-hmm. So one morning Egwene wakes up and she does not braid her hair. And mm-hmm. Rand loses his shit. And he starts like, you're not doing you it because... You will not join that cult, Egwene. Yeah, back off. But he said, like, he, they're shouting at each Mm -hmm. other over this like there is no quiet subtle discussion no passive aggressiveness either like get Mm -hmm. it guys fight it out these kids i don't know how moraine deals with it to be honest me neither or lan nope because in this moment he's like you're no dark friend and that's what he says to Egwene. Like, he somehow, like, he still has this misconception that he's been raised with that Aes Sedai are somehow only tools for the Dark One, and they're obviously all Dark friends. And she's <laughs> like, what is like, fuck? you know what? You sound like uh, you want to join the Children of the Light, so... <laughs> So we're actually detouring over to Amador. We're going to drop you off. <laughs> they don't even have to detour to Amador. They just have to go to Berlon. <laughs> Good point. Just drop them off. They're waiting there. They knew. Yeah. Recruits from the two rivers, guys. We got them. <laughs> they just like shove him off the horse. Tuck and roll, Rand. <laughs> you try out that flame and void shit now, okay? <laughs> okay, so Moraine doesn't really react strongly to this she just kind of blankly reacts to this and moves through it and past it and Egwene and Rand now give each other the silent treatment and kind of ignore each other but again then later we have Matt who's like you know I think we've lost them for good Moraine is like what is wrong with you guys like (laughs) why do you think that this is gonna be like he's like maybe we should go to Ilian and I hear there are no I said oh crap it's Moraine over my shoulder listening to me badmouth her mm-hmm. guys stop this it's in it's infuriating it is as so an her- adult woman <laughs> like i love kids but teenagers Ugh. like some teenagers just suck Especially in a group. And, like, this is Matt, Perrin, and Rand. They're, they've been, like, best buddies getting into trouble and shit together for years and years. Like, w- what are we expecting from them? Regardless, I'm doing I'm doing the thing again. But this is when you are like, yes, Moraine. This, this is exactly how I feel. She says, the Dark One is after you three. One or all. Whatever the Dark One wants, I oppose. So hear this and know it true. Before I let the Dark One have you, I will destroy you myself. Fuck yeah, Moraine. That's you probably tell just, those dummies. I mean, it's 
very clearly true. She, mm-hmm. you know, she's not lying. Mm-mm. But she probably is also laying it on as thick as possible just to make them stop being so annoying. Exactly. You know? Like, yep. she's like, I will turn this horse around. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me. Don't I make will me, throw guys. you in a whirlpool myself before the dark one gets you. Right? Like, she just... I get it. I get it. I've said similar things to my six-year-old. Um, not threatening to destroy him. That goes a little <laughs> far. <laughs> if you're listening, please do not call CPS on crazy. <laughs> I haven't threatened to destroy him. Just make him sit under the table and stay there for a little while. Actually, he usually chooses that himself. And he's like, I hate you. I'm hiding under my fort. (laughs) I thought I would have to wait until he was a teenager to hear him say, I hate you. But that started like last year. Hooray. Okay. Children are wonderful. Um, Lord of chaos. I can't wait for that t-shirt. I need to take a picture of him wearing it. So anyway, Rand's not feeling great about this whole Moray teaching Egwene thing. So of course he like sneaks up on on the two of them having one of their discussions. And Moraine is educating Egwene about the male channelers during the breaking. And what I really appreciate is her saying they were insane, not evil. And that is important to remember because a lot of these men, like they don't choose it. And Egwene still hasn't recognized the fact that when it comes to channeling, it's not a choice. It's something that chooses you. And mm-hmm. unfortunately for the men who can touch Sadine, this also means inevitable insanity. It's a and death, death sentence. Exactly. So I really appreciate it, even just like that little bit that like kind of helped clarify so that we have a better concept as a reader moving forward. So at this point, they arrive at Barillon, and Tom, of course, being Tom, snarky guy, makes fun of the young ones for thinking it a city. But it mm-hmm. is in its own way. Like it's it's got a big wall, like 20 foot wall around it. That's high. I I wouldn't want to try to climb that. I wouldn't want to try to climb if it were five feet high. But well, let's feet. be honest. I live in the tiniest village oh, yeah. in the middle of nowhere, and we have a wall. So I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, mean, so it's not, not all city still just there. It's some of it, some of it's you know away. It's gone. But but I love that. I love that. Thank you. You're right. You're right. I, little... I live in Barillon. <laughs> <laughs> Rename. I will be rebranding the city <laughs> for the good of everyone. Show. <laughs> no one else wants to do it. <laughs> I I think you should. Okay, so Tam has made fun of the young ones for thinking that this is a city, and Moraine is trying to drive home the imperative that this is the next place where they are in danger. Like they've had this momentary respite where they can breathe but now once they're in the city again potential bad news so they reach the walls and what i really love is the way that the the keeper like responds to maureen once he recognizes that it's her he's like yay it's you and he comes down he's super chatty and the big news is that there are white cloaks in the city and that's all i'm going to say about that because we did an entire episode on the white cloaks if you want more i'll have a link to it in the show notes this is the first time i think we hear about the Kratheon cycle which we also talked about in a previous episode not plugging our own show or anything sorry i'm trying to get <laughs> to the end of this for you so hopefully i'm not going too quickly breathe tracy breathe maybe no kombucha in the morning um <laughs> You're adequately caffeinated. <laughs> Apparently. 
God damn. All right. So they are greeted at the stag and lion. And I love how they get there through like the back alleys and like land basically like pops the lock from the back so that they can get in, even though that's not how they're supposed to get in that way. Sneaky land. Mm -hmm. Sneaky land. And at first, the welcome is less than warm, but then Master Fitch, the innkeeper, comes out and he's all like, the best of everything in Bear Lawn. And he wraps it up with, welcome to the stag and lion. Welcome to Bear Lawn. And all I can think of is like Hagrid, welcome to Diagon Alley. And like Jurassic Park, welcome to Jurassic to Park. Jurassic. Like he's about to unfold this like <laughs> grandest of grand things. Now I'm just hearing the Jurassic Park theme song, but done in a recorder. <laughs> Tom playing it on Kazoo. Hell yeah. The only comment that I want to add to this before we move it on is just how Moraine is received by every person who knows her. Like the gatekeeper and the innkeeper are both basically squirming in delight because Mistress Alice, which is the name she goes by here, has shown up again. And it's probably because she sprinkles gold like fairy sprinkle fairy dust. I don't know. Or she's, she's really... working that compulsion light on everyone. <laughs> I was wondering about that too. But then I was like, she doesn't need to. She has gold. And that is mm-hmm. like the global, that is the global compulsion currency. Is Lan taking off his water cape at this point? And is she still wearing her he ice eye ring? Because I don't know about that. I'm going to bet not, though, because when, oh, you know what? I'm going to say no, because when they were leaving from Emmons Field, it was commented that she had changed into a dark riding dress and she was wearing no jewelry. Or was it she was only wearing her ring? I don't know. I don't remember that far Neither back. Neither do I. <laughs> For a minute, I was really sure about it. And now I'm doubting it. Whatever. But I I honestly don't know on that. But I do remember the part in this, like, right before they, like, travel down to Bear Lawn. Lan takes off his water cloak and replaces it with a cloak that isn't magic. And it makes, like, a big bulging thing in his saddlebags. Okay. Okay. That's what she said. Gross. That was so bad. <clears throat> I'm not cutting it out. Um, but that, so they're at the stag and lion. Hooray! The stag and the lion. It's magic. We're close. It might as well be. I know, right? They're so, excited. Here's the setting The stag and the lion inn is absolutely bustling. Mm-hmm. Master Fitch is showing the group around. Lan and Moraine are going by their alias names, Lady Alice and Master Andra. Mm-hmm. Uh, Master Fitch unexpectedly tells them that the inn is full because of all of the troubles <laughs> up in the mountains and people are fleeing. There are also problems with Children of the Light, mm-hmm. basically patrolling Barillon. And he, Master Fitch is a little bit of a talker. And he kind of he kind of realizes what he's saying and then, you know, like recovers a little bit and they go on their separate ways. Mm-hmm. So the boys and men uh, go to <laughs> bathe and Moraine leaves to go talk to men. And mm-hmm. yay, men. New character, new mm-hmm. character. 
we don't get a we don't really get much from her this chapter, but her mm-hmm. name is introduced and we're giving a given a description of her. Yeah, so, like short hair, dresses like a little a boy. <laughs> <laughs> what? Sorry, I can't. Rand, Rand wondering if she's actually a girl. That's my favorite is him being like, Is she a girl? Is she not a girl? You mind your own business, Rand. She can wear <laughs> she wants. <laughs> Just let her wear pants, Rand. Chill. Yeah, relax. So all of the men take their baths. Um, Ara, the attendant, uh, mm-hmm. is probably my favorite, most favorite minor, minor <laughs> character at this point because he's such a little ass. Um, he's making fun of the boys' accent. And yep. while this is going on, Tom is straight up chilling in mm-hmm. this bathtub mm-hmm. like he is in heaven. <laughs> The group goes to a private dining room after they are done with the bathing. Mm-hmm. And there's some more drama between Rand and Egwene. Mm-hmm. Master Fitch brings a bunch of chickens and turnips mm. while profusely apologizing for their meager food supplies. And Moraine calls it a feast, which mm-hmm. absolutely pleases Master Fitch. And he kind of leaves them off to eat. So Lan checks to make sure that no one can hear them. He kind of like pokes his head out the door and Mm -hmm. looks around. And I think uh, Lan tells Moraine that there's trouble in Giladon and Mm -hmm. she wants to know what's going on. And apparently Loghain was the victor and Moraine wants to know what happened to the Aes Sedai. Mm -hmm. And Lan says there are too many rumors to know the truth. So there's some... There's some shenanigans going down, and I love, again, that Loghain is being brought up. He was brought up in the Peddler chapter. Mm -hmm. Is that chapter three, I think? And I don't think he's called by name, but they do say that— I think you're right. Yeah, they say the false dragon or Mm -hmm. the dragon, and now we're actually getting a name to him, and it's Mm -hmm. Loghain. So I like that we're kind of setting his character up that way later on. If we hear from him, we will know who he is. Yeah. Heck yeah. And yeah, there's there's a lot of rumors going on. Mm-hmm. So eventually everyone goes back to their rooms and Rand falls asleep. Uh, Tom heads to the common rooms to mm-hmm. do a little performance. And Rand has a nightmare that I will try to sum up. So buckle <laughs> in. Nightmare sequences and dream sequences are not my favorite. Um, but this is a really important one. Mm-hmm. So Ran is asleep and in his dream, he finds himself in a stone hallway. He can hear water dripping and he thinks to himself that his head hurts. Mm-hmm. He feels really foggy and he can't think straight. And he's so very thirsty. Mm-hmm. He arrives at a stone chamber that looks like the stone is melted and the stones themselves look like screaming faces. Spooky. So <laughs> Very, 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 very mm-hmm. spooky. Just uh, throwing that out there. It is, and I really want to know where this is. Like, is it something in his dream? Is this something that is being, well... I'll wait till later because I don't want to say any spoilers. Yeah. So yeah, shortly yeah, yeah. shortly after Rand describes his surroundings, a man appears and he is handsome and mature. And the man taunts Rand and tells him to drink from this mysterious goblet that just appears in front of him. 
And Rand kind of raises it to his mouth and looks at it and then stops before drinking it. And the man who calls himself Baalzaman is very disappointed that mm-hmm. Rand won't drink from the goblet. Mm-hmm. He starts questioning Rand, asking him if he is the one. Mm-hmm. And he thinks Rand wants power and glory. Mm-hmm. He tells Rand the Amarlin seat will use him just like Loghain is being used. Mm-hmm. And Rand is like, hey, uh, you can't do anything because you're bound in shale ghoul. Mm-hmm. And he thinks he's actually talking to the Dark One. Mm-hmm. And the man says, basically, I am responsible for Luz Theron Telemond killing his wife and family. And mm-hmm. then Baalzaman tells Rand that Rand will serve him or dance for the Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. And the goblet disappears and then a rat appears in its place. And Baalzaman is kind of like waving his finger around. And this is really gross. So yeah. using the one or using the true power, Baalzaman bends the rat basically mm-hmm. in half, breaking its back. And then he points to Rand, and Rand can feel his own back breaking. Mm -hmm. And before that finishes, Rand wakes up, and he thinks to himself, hey, I should ask Moraine to help, you know, with my dreams. And then he decides against it because he doesn't trust her. He doesn't trust her. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of spooky shit going on. I hate these dream sequences because... I feel dirty after reading them. I do have to say one part of this caught me in a very different way. And I probably have to thank Robert for this because of his, uh, I, you probably know what I'm talking like the Balsamon image that he created for his little video. But now instead I'm like seeing it as they might make it for a movie and have you watched American Horror Story at all? I've seen some seasons, but not all. Okay, I have to say that their Roanoke one was absolutely one of the most brutal experiences of anything I've ever watched ever, period, end of story. And I don't watch a lot of stuff like that anyway, but... I didn't make it all the way through that one, but I think I got, I left off at the part where all the people are realizing that it's being haunted by... Mm -hmm. These All people. of these. Yeah. 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 And Lady so, Gaga's chilling, showing up. <laughs> yeah. Just randomly getting some guy to fuck her. That's mm-hmm. what, that's her whole role for that yeah. entire show. The thing that I'm thinking about, though, and you may have missed this, is when they're talking about the man who built the house in the 18th century and how he died there. That's a good look for you. Sorry. But like, no, 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 it's okay. But he is like, he shows up in ghost form later in the episode or later in the season or whatever. And he's leading them down this, um, this like dank basement. tunnel. Yeah. Like out through this tunnel away from the house and like trying to get them through there. And I remember. Yeah. Like as he's turning, the torch like catches him and his face kind of flashes between like his face and having like these dark holes where his eyes and mouth were. And so when I was reading this night, this nightmare sequence, what I was thinking, like there's this moment where he says that his eyes and mouth flickered back and forth between being his face and eyes and mouth of flame. And that's kind of the effect that I can see being used in that moment and how 
fucking creepy that would be. Like, the ability to make this show really dark and creepy is very appealing to me. <laughs> I, I agree. And the only thing that I'm hesitant of is that it is too campy. You know, because mm-hmm. sometimes, like, things can be scary, but there's also that kind of, like, fine line when you're working with people that are also, like, humorous characters and yeah, stuff like yeah. that where it can come off, like, a little bit kind of silly, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, there's there's been so many good shows recently that I feel like are dark and scary mm-hmm. and don't come off as corny or cheesy (laughs) yeah yeah so I think I think they'll do a good job I'm hoping I think so too I hope I think Amazon Prime just released or is releasing this month a show called them and it has Lily Rubin I think is her name she's as far as I know she's been in every season of Mm. Uh, American Horror Story. Maybe not the first season, but I honestly don't remember. I haven't watched them in a while. Um, But she's in this show as well, and it looks like it's got a really nice creep factor to it. And I really like her as an actress. She does a phenomenal job. And so I really want to see what this this looks like. Yeah. Amazon Prime, don't fuck it up. Yeah. (laughs) I'm scared. Don't fuck it up. I guess, like... I think it's going to be good. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be bad. Mm-mm. But I guess I'm hesitant to be like, well, what if it's just okay? Right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that might be worse than if it's bad. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Or people just don't respond to it somehow. Yeah. Like when they launched their their trailer for Carnival Row and it had Orlando Bloom in it and everything and the image, it looked really, really cool. And so I watched it and I would definitely watch it if there was a second season, but Mm -hmm. I can't necessarily say that I was like wrapped up in it and it became Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to watch. I want this to be like, I can't wait for the next episode to come out. That's what I want. Me too. I'm the same way. I agree 100%. Pull off, but, pull off Expanse. Yeah. Well, like that's the quality. thing. Like, the Expanse hasn't even had that great of a reception. I mean, I, I I, honestly would put it in probably the best sci-fi sh- show that has been made in a really, really long time. I, I mean, agree. I think I love, like, old Star Wars and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I never really got too much into Star Trek, but there, I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. But I feel like The Expanse was one of these shows where it took me maybe four episodes where I couldn't tell if I liked it or not, and I kept yeah. falling asleep watching it. And yeah. then once I kind of got a little bit towards, like, the middle of the first season, yep. I was just completely hooked mm-hmm. and... I couldn't wait to see what would happen next. And I really, I don't know. Like, some shows are really, really great. And I loved The Expanse. And I was, I'm, I'm still obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. I ha- have read all the books. But it has not been as well received by other people. And I just don't know if other people out there like, I just don't really like sci-fi. Or I just don't really like fantasy. Or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, or maybe they- they're just like, there are so many... Because, I mean, really, like, that genre is potentially just a bit saturated at this point. You think? 
<laughs> I do. Yeah. What are some other sci-fi shows that are well, really I think good? Of, uh, well, see, okay, that's just it. That's the problem. Is there are not there are a lot of shows styled this way, but a lot of them are I kind of crappy, or yeah. they have a slow start to them, and people don't keep pushing forward to watch it, or mm -hmm. it's just another remake of a remake of a remake of a remake. Like how many Star Trek variations does the world really mm -hmm. need and is it this many because i feel like it's a lot and i mean not that i'm yeah. crapping on star trek <laughs> i'm so glad that people have imaginations and, and these drives to make products like this but at the same time i want something kind of fresh and different and that's what the expanse felt like to me like once it got to that point where and i mean really even for me it was just julie floating around in like the opening of yes that yes. first episode where i was like what the fuck where she's is kind happening? of like crying and screaming and yeah super dehydrated and yep like Ooh. that i was just like who is this woman and what's happening and then it like goes from her screaming at some weird growth in some weird big thing like i didn't know mm -hmm. like what where she was what was happening but i was like what happened to you? And when I watch... It watched... really reminds me of the beginning of Alien, you know, where yeah. the the crew of the Canterbury gets a weird call from the depths of space mm -hmm. and they're worried about making their payment, shipping their ice back to yep. the I think Asteroid Station, belt. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they're like, God damn it, we're going to lose out on our money if we go try and... Mm -hmm check up and see what's going on with this ship and then of course like all hell breaks loose and conspiracy and politics and a missing yep. girl and oh and it's so strong good. ass female characters like some of the best female characters of Naomi, any show ever drummer and bobby would be like my and christian <laughs> yes yeah like come on them at henry's Let's do and it. Even, and even Melba slash Chris, uh, um, Peaches. Why can't I think of her name? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, um, she goes from villain to another kind of, like, I don't want to say lovable because that might be pushing it, but mm -hmm. very empowered, strong, kick-ass, like, warrior, basically. I personally love the scene of her and Amos peeing at the same time, but having their backs to each other. <laughs> we have talked about this before, but maybe we should oh, stop. So, so in case yeah, anyone wants to watch it, we don't like spoil the entire show it's for them. It's so funny how often we go from Wheel of Time to The Expanse. But at maybe the same we'll, time, maybe we can snip this out and make it a mini-sode or right? something. We go off anytime we get off on a wild tangent for The Expanse, we'll just start releasing it in a different platform of some kind and be like, for everyone who's also with us on this one, this is mm -hmm. our tangent from this week yeah break time sounds great okay and do you want me to call you or yeah call me okay cool okay all right all right so i'm going to circle back to what we were what i had brought up about the prologue where yeah, i'm Luz I'm Theron, really excited. Yeah, Luz Theron <laughs> Telemond asked Ishamayel if he has the voice. 
Mm-hmm. And this is going along with actually seed singing mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like songs of growing, which is the same thing that the Ogiers do. Mm-hmm. And what we see after Rand has his big, you know, come to Jesus moment and becomes kind of this Zen Rand. Mm-hmm. He's kind of walking around and things are flowering behind him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is what the voice is referencing. And oh, wacky. you Yeah, and you had asked, like, is that what the the uh tinkers are like, is that the song? Is that, that what they're, they're looking searching for? for? Yeah. yeah. And it's also uh said that I don't know how if I should Take this as 100% confirmed or denied, but mm-hmm. Brandon Sanderson was stated in an interview saying that this is not the song from The Traveling People. Mm, okay. But, I mean, I don't know how much he knows about it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if there was a note somewhere that he had access to, then, like, yeah, I definitely believe it. But just going on what this interview said, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I kind uh, of want to go through Robert Jordan's notes with like a command find. Yeah, right. And see if I get like, I'm pretty sure they're digitized. I'm going <laughs> to see if they are. But there's also like, then this raises the question, if this is something done by channelers, does that mean that the O'Gear are channelers? Hmm. Which is really like, weird. Like something inherently in them resonates with the power of the pattern. Right. But they can, but they're not affected within the steadings, right? They can do their tree singing within steadings. So how oh, come yeah, other channelers so can't? This is maybe very the, confusing. Maybe it's the creature crossover. Yeah. <laughs> like from human to, to Ogier, like. Being an Ogier, you just naturally can do that. Being a human, you have access to it through being able to channel, maybe. Right. And it's also, I mean, how did the Ogier come to be? I mean, I guess they would just be a separate race that was always there. That's what it feels like. Because... I mean, everything else kind of feels like it has a creation thing. Yeah. Especially like our characters that aren't... Like our shadow spawn and everything was created... By Agonor. Yeah. But I'm thinking of like all the origins of these creatures and it's Mm -hmm. really kind of cool. Maybe we can do that as a 101, just Mm -hmm. the creatures of the light, not of the light, but just the creatures that are not created by Agonor, the different (laughs) different races within. Agonor, Agonor free creatures. Yeah. But it's just interesting. I, I really is. want to know more about seed singing and whatnot. But I also well, feel like it's kind of a dropped plot line. I mean, we never get to find out. Or even like something that you see in action, but only in like the very last novel, I think. Because when Rand's showing up to the meeting with all of the nations and yeah. everything in the, the He's kind of putting on a green. show. Exactly. <laughs> and he's like, I can only do it you know, for a specific amount of time, like, it's obvious he's doing this. Does he Mm -hmm. say that he uses the one power to do it? Or it's just something that's kind of, like, become 
innate in him. Yeah, like his his like zen capabilities of just being able to make shit happen, you know? I, I don't know, but I mean, he also uses like the song of growing as a trick when he's uh, shielded by one of the demone in Tuan's presence. Mm, so mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. It's, I'm looking here on the wiki and mm. from the cycle of the dragon, it says, let the prince of the morning sing to the land that green things will grow. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Like, this is just one of those really curious things that I would love to dig into. I'm so glad you got more information on it because that's really cool. And that's yeah, one and of I'm... those things that I love about the series is it's like, <laughs> how many layers do you want to dig through to get to this one thing? And I mean, yeah. really, this was off of like, what, one question? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have the voice? And we're like, well, how far down does that go? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And I just remember thinking about like, I just... What what is the voice? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. what's the, do you have the voice besides okay. a shitty television show? Sorry to anyone who <laughs> likes it. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But anyways, I will come back to our. No, I love it. I'm so glad our, you did that. That was really fun. Our spoilery sections for our chapters this week, mm-hmm. and we are. Do you want to start out with uh, the Road to Terran Fairy Chapter mm-hmm. Eleven? Yeah, because. I mean, even before, I can still, and it's weird what I will forget and what I will remember. And reading this series, especially the beginning of this series, I still kind of resonate with this moment where in the book it says, with all his heart and desperation, he silently shouted at Bella to run like the wind, silently tried to will strength into her run his skin prickled and his bones felt as if they were freezing ready to split open the light helped her run and bella ran and i just love that because in the moment you're not really thinking about those the things where it says his skin prickled and his bones felt as if they were freezing ready to split open because when i first read that my thought was it's cold it's he's scared. Yeah. He's scared. Like they're running. I know me when I get like an anxiety attack, like it just goes, my body goes bonkers. So for me, this wasn't the connection that maybe other people made, but we like, we now know it's him, him channeling. channeling. Yeah. yeah. And then Maureen comes back to it later on and is like, when she's cleansing all of the animals and she's just like, you were, uh, you were right about Bella. Like, <laughs> she is exceptional. <laughs> she is exceptional. There's something you two rivers folks. How about mm-hmm. that? But I, I, I really just, I love these little drops, mm-hmm. and soon it all swirls and coalesces and becomes like even more colorful and vibrant. And you're just like, oh, things are happening. Things are happening. And I know I keep coming. I feel like I keep coming back to this, but luck is such a big point of this and I think a lot about it especially after reading New Spring and I'm sorry I'm a broken record I will try really hard not to but (laughs) like in this moment when the car swoops down and everybody's like trying to make sure that their horses don't run away like he knows if he loses cloud this journey is suddenly taking a very different direction and he desperately needs to keep cloud with him and so do matt and perrin and because the queen is important so does the queen and i guess tom just has better control over his horse than everyone else does but like 
this is luck. It is pure luck. Mm-hmm. They were all able to keep their mounts with them. And so it just a, just a little extra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That Taviran pull. Exactly. Like apparently it even affects horses. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, <laughs> that, I think it says apparently the jolt or that jolted the fool animal into its senses or something like in that mm-hmm. moment. And I just really like it because it's like Rand being sassy to his horse in his brain. <laughs> I don't know. It's just to me, it's funny. And then the only other thing that I, I really didn't have a lot for spoilers. Like, I mean, seriously, there's just not a lot happening in this chapter. In my opinion, maybe you I, I'm sure you may have picked up other things. Just one. And if you didn't. Okay, cool. I was going to say, I was just saying, eh, eh. but when Rand is standing to fight against the Drakkar, is this post-channeling recklessness? Is it too close to that having happened? Is this Rand just slightly losing his mind? Is Luce Theron already there yet? Like, what made him do that? The only thing that, <laughs> the only thing that, I thought about this was when Nynaeve kind of chastises Rand for looking like a moonstruck. What was it? It's usually fool. Yeah, moonstruck <laughs> fool or something because he's kind of just like staring at Egwene. Mm-hmm. I feel like he kind of just like spaced and he's like looking at the sky like, oh shit. Like, you know, like kind of where, you know, it's it's really the worst thing to do. Instead of fight or flight, you just freeze. Yeah, <laughs> like... with with a weapon <laughs> mm-hmm. and a and an anxious horse behind you. Like, how was it that Cloud didn't just leap away in that moment? He was just now all of a sudden he's happy to just hang out while Rand stands there like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, it was just that part. I'm sure for each of us, different things stand out. That one stood out to me because you know I'm giving it an aerial view in my head and. <laughs> looking at Rand and shaking my head no at him, you know, like my that's all my, I had. My only note on this chapter is I started counting how many different times that it is mentioned that dogs <laughs> are barking at them, and it is three at three separate points in this chapter on their journey. <laughs> Moraine and company are barked at by dogs on three separate occasions, and. I was also like thinking like, oh, because Lan said it's really good that dogs, you know, maybe the dogs are either picking up on Trollocs or Shadowspawn nearby mm-hmm. or they're pissed because they can feel more rain channeling. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. The, the fog or whatever. Exactly. But- Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about that. But I did just, um, oh gosh, I just, just thought of something. Oh, yeah. So when we were working on making the um, the six month intro and mm-hmm. I had the dogs barking in the background and we took it out and then we were like, are there dogs in the Wheel of Time series? <laughs> there are. And here they, they barked, are. They barked three times. They're all in Eye of the World. <laughs> but they're never on. They're never on a farm. They're just when we they're in flight. We don't get to see these Dogs. We just get These to hear dogs. What do you think? What do you think Westland dogs look like? I feel like like sheep dog. Yeah, like churro. Like herders. Like churro dogs. Mm-hmm. Nippers. That is my dog, one hundred percent. His big command first. His first big command that he learned was no teeth, because that's no all teeth. he wanted to do. Was like, <laughs> especially after Arthur. Like he was mm-hmm. convinced that. 
hurting Arthur was his main job. It took a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Now he's the best dog. Anyway, those are the only things that I had for Eye of the World. And I did think that it was funny. I'm glad that you pointed out the dog thing because I remember reading through it and being like, I found the dogs. Here are the dogs. Here are the dogs. Yeah. So chapter 12. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Uh, The very first thing that stood out to me was this amazing description of Lan before he's getting ready to interact with the ferryman. And Rand says he looks like a metal spring compressed and waiting. Yep. And I love that because it's kind of, it's not necessarily like showing how deadly he is, but just Mm -hmm. how fast he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also think of Lan being really agitated by all of this tomfoolery going on with (laughs) these two rivers kids and Mm -hmm. he's probably at his wits end ready to just oh yeah go ham the next time something happens yeah i mean yeah he's he's dealing he's dealing with a lot yeah um and I also really, really loved when Lana's having the boys show off their weapons so the ferrymen don't have any <laughs> bad ideas. I love that. And what is so amazing, so amazing, I think you had just, we're going to mention this too, but Tom doing something awesome. So he's, as the boys are kind of like pulling their cloaks aside, Tom mm-hmm. Starts flourishing daggers between his fingers and then nonchalantly, like, starts picking at his fingernails with them. Right. And Egwene starts clapping I like know. a little girl. And then she kind of, like, looks embarrassed at her outburst. But even more rain laughs. Yes. Yes. And that's so, exactly what I was going to say. Yes. Yeah, and this is. This is like New Spring era Moraine, like peeking through, like her totally. her stone faced, eye to eye face that's you know unflappable. It just she has a tiny little crack and she shows a smile and laughs, and I love that. Yep, she couldn't hold it in. No, thank goodness. We needed more of that. I also have here when they're taking care of the horses. Ran and Land are talking about how the healing on the horses work. And mm-hmm. this is, again, another lesson with Lan. But <laughs> he's explaining that even though the horses look and seem to be well-rested, mm-hmm. if they were, if they allowed them to run, they would keep running and they would push themselves so hard that they would just eventually drop dead. Yeah. And it's interesting to see how how maybe that would work on a human because I think uh, when Moraine does kind of wash fatigue away from the group, I don't know if they feel so energized that they could just like, I could just run a marathon until my heart, you know, stops beating. Yeah. Because they, yeah. Do, they eventually, they have to sleep. But yeah. the way that it's talked about with the horses is, almost makes it sound like the horses are on amphetamines. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like they will just keep going until they die. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's, it's also just showing how, how tricks of the one power work. Mm-hmm. And that there are negative consequences for every positive yeah, interaction. The it's the balance. Like that just seems to be, that's another thing that gets built into the series. Luck, balance, hope. 
Like mm-hmm. they're just like these core things. And this is another one where it's like, yes, of course she can do this. However, and I mean, even after she goes in and she like cleanses all of them from being tired, Rand still just rolls over and falls asleep right away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's it's like, he's like, I could go dancing. Oh, nope. Sleep time. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that Maybe were it's... me. <laughs> no, right? Moraine, <laughs> I need to sleep. Um, I also have decided that there is just so much info dumping in these chapters of Eye of the World. Mm-hmm. So new readers wouldn't know immediately how the one power works, but... Mm-hmm. Through Egwene, Moraine tells us, the readers, the differences between Sidene and Sidar Mm -hmm. and how channeling works. And we also get more Egwene foreshadowing when Moraine is like, you could even become the Amarlin seat one day. Ha ha ha. Which we know (laughs) happens. So, I mean. You know what, though? I know she becomes Amarlin seat. But does she actually become Aes Sedai? Like, she never goes through the actual testing, does she, for the shawl? Yeah, that was, I mean, that was like a technicality. Mm-hmm. So you could argue for both. I mean, I think the so Amarlin seat has to be an Aes Sedai. It's mm-hmm. the rule. Yeah. But, but by being the Amarlin seat, she is an Aes Sedai. Yeah. <laughs> so she yeah, just yeah. didn't take the test. Yeah. yeah, but I was thinking about that because she's like, I'm going to become an Aes Sedai. And I'm like, but are you? Oh, that's like, a good point. Yeah. Everyone everyone points out, like, Elaine later on is on, is like, you could become Amarillan seat. And Swan says something, maybe someday you're going to be an Amarillan seat. Like, we were just expecting it, like, 30 years down the road or longer. Not when she was, Not, like, an 18-year-old girl. Yeah. Still weird to me. Ushered in um, by the Black Aja. Damn. Right? So it's a good thing she's got that two river stubborn streak running through her. I would have too much imposter syndrome after knowing, after finding out that I was basically uh, voted in to become the Omerlin seat because they thought I was incapable of doing a good job and just a doormat. Yeah. Do I really deserve this? I, you know what, though? I think Egwene seeing that, recognizing that. Because I do feel like she absolutely recognizes that they were going to use her as a figurehead. But her being like, you know what? I'm going to let you think that that's what you're doing. And in the meantime, because Swan's used like... It against them. Yeah. And I think like, I think it's her, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm doing it my way mm-hmm. attitude that I really appreciate about Egwene. And I think this is one of those places where... She jumps in such a large way as a character and what she does and what she undertakes. Like, a queen constantly feels like she's just getting, I mean, what the fuck? So I really, like, I appreciate her character and what she has to go through and everything. This isn't an Egwene fan show. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I just realized I was just, like, going on and on. I'm like, Tracy, you stop it. Love her. Love her. Love her I to do. Death. I do. I do. For her flaws, even in this moment where I'm like, good God, Egwene. Do you not realize how dangerous this is? This is so, this is so dangerous. 
I just picture Lan being like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. Like, were you dropped on your head? Why are you laughing? <laughs> How often do you think he side-eyed Egwene? You know? Like, How many times just, do you think he side-eyes everyone who isn't Moraine? Them. Yeah. Or just blankly stares at them. Oh. I get it. I get it. So chapter 13, choices. Uh I feel like I had several questions through this one, but when Perrin sees the farm in the distance and says it doesn't look any different than the houses slash farms in the two rivers, is his wolf vision kicking in? Because Matt's like, I don't I don't think it looks that much like it. Like, maybe that's what it is. Like, maybe he just can't see it clearly. And that's why he thinks. When does how how early on does Perrin get his it gold happens, eyes? It happens right after Shadar Lagoth. So, like, in just a few chapters. Maybe that's something we can look up and talk about next week. Perrin's fabulous eyesight. Perrin's wolf brother. I don't know. Special skills, I guess. <laughs> like, how early on does that kick in? Maybe we Perrin's can figure. wolf eyes. Maybe there's cool. something that Elias says later on. Who knows? Maybe we can Perhaps, find something. Perhaps, yeah. Because, I mean, it seems to, like, come on kind of out of nowhere. But what if this has been, like, a gradual building that he wasn't even aware of? I mean, he is Taviran, so it would just make sense that if this was something that was going to overtake him eventually, that even though this was a really weird way for him to actually meet Elias, how else was he going to meet a man who spent the majority of his life living in the woods away from people and surrounded by wolves mm -hmm. <laughs> isn't that convenient exactly like oh <laughs> hey you were chased by trollocs and floated down a river and now i found you and we can hang out by the front by the way these are my friends they're wolves <laughs> i hope that's okay <laughs> and i know everything that you're going through right now because you are also a wolf brother isn't it convenient isn't that isn't that hmm anyway <laughs> I appreciate it, even when I make fun of it. I love this series so much. There's no doubt about it. The Let's see here. Did I get that? Yes. Uh, the incessant narration of the weather and the measly vegetation growing, and then later on the lack of food and how the farmers may not have anything to harvest this coming year. I think it feels a bit heavy-handed to use because we know what's coming. May, may, maybe it's heavy-handed, maybe it isn't. But it's it's setting the scene for what is happening. It's another one of those layers that I appreciate, but I have a tendency to kind of skim past. Like, I don't need descriptions of trees every five seconds. It's fine. I get it. There are trees. Things are dying. It's bad. It also everywhere. happens again in chapter 14 with Master Fitch explaining exactly. their food cellars are empty and the farmers can't grow anything. And yeah. Yeah. So we're like we're very much getting this doom and gloom overcast of everything that's happening. Like this is this is not a happy story, friends. It's almost lemony snicket worthy, if you will. Um, let's see here. I did, I did giggle a little when Rand thinks that the sword forms aren't the wild leaping about he had expected. And that's I, cute. Maybe that's his IU blood talking. Like maybe he's. If it was, if his IU blood was talking, he would know he would be using a spear and not a sword. <laughs> <laughs> All I could think of was like. 
that moment after Matt kills Cooladin and they're all celebrating and they're playing that like leaping, kicking, drinking game. Like that's all that flashed into my oh, head. Oh, you mean leap jump, leap jump kick? <laughs> <laughs> I love that game. <laughs> I have to drink a lot because I'm not good at any of those things. I'm not. <laughs> I'm more like a stumble, roll, fall <laughs> type. <laughs> oh, ah, graceful. I wonder graceful. if that's anything like sevens. I don't know. From New Spring. Have you? Did you know that we talk about New Spring a lot? I we fucking really love, love it. New Spring. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if we did a reread of our first read of New Spring? <laughs> Just it's very sad to let you all know, but we are stopping Eye of the World this week, and next week we are rereading <laughs> New Spring. I'm lying. Sorry. Sorry to tease you like this, I will get through, I will get through these chapters. I swear if it'll kill me. We will get there. We will make the, We will make it through together. Um, let's see here. So this is, this is the beginning of Rand using the sword as a tool for meditation. And Lan is definitely another mentor that he needed along this path. And I really like that because I love the sword descriptions and the growth of Rand as a swordsman to the point where he becomes a blade master. And I just think that's really cool. Cause if I could, mm -hmm. I'd be a blade master, but I'm in the stumble fall. What was the last of it? Stumble fall. fall. Stumble, stumble fall roll. roll. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm in that category. So me being a blade master, mm -mm. no, I'd be so bad at that. Uh, but I I love it. I love the idea of it, the gracefulness of it, the deadliness that goes behind it, and the blade that he carries. I just I love and, it. And how lucky is he to have Lan as a guide through this? A stony-faced, reluctant guy. Yeah. You suck, guide. <laughs> Lan might not want to be there, but he will do his job and make sure that, you know, Rand doesn't accidentally stab himself in the right. process of yeah. his story. The whole time going, damn it, I never wanted kids. What the <laughs> fuck is this shit? I am the world doing. is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Parent preventative. <laughs> I have the world for your birth control needs. <laughs> <laughs> These are the shitheads they'll become. <laughs> yeah. Beware. Um, okay. Children are wonderful. I love my children. I feel like I've done a lot of like bashing on <laughs> on children today, but really, I love mine. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Please don't call CPS on Tracy. <laughs> Um, CPS, I heard this crazy woman on a podcast. <laughs> she said she makes her kids sleep under the stairs. She said she wanted to destroy them. I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> I will destroy you. Okay, moving on. Moving Damn. On. Let's see here. I believe this is the first mention of the Great Hunt of the Horn. Is that Agreed. right? Does that seem it right? Is. Cool. It is. I can't wait. I can't wait for that. I really love... Great the Hunt of might be the Great Hunt might be my one of my I'm putting it top three hands down 
I'm so excited to read it's, it with you. This is just, for me, Eye of the World, it's good, but mm-hmm. I feel like Robert Jordan is a little bit constrained with trying to make this world feel... Mm, Expansive? Re- relatable to people that have read mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. fantasy, which at that time was basically just kind of The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. And yeah. I feel like he's a little bit restrained Mm-hmm. And we have so much time in these chapters and in this book explaining what this world is like and what mm-hmm. it means. And if you've already read the series, it is tedious. Yes. Yeah. But as soon as you get into the great hunt, it's like you are in this world, you're a part of it, and you, you just it. like hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is where Robert Jordan just kind of like pushes everything else aside Mm -hmm. and he's like this is me now and I'm writing it how I want to write it and I don't have to make it feel like anything else and I can just you know go all in and that's why I love The Great Hunt. Yeah I feel as though The Eye of the World was his like stepping a toe in the water. It's like it's like it's like beta version. (laughs) (laughs) If they like this They'll love what I'm going to write next. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what yeah. it, it feels like. It's what it needs to be to draw you in. It feels Yeah, kind of like wetting your appetite. Yep. It's fairly formulaic. You feel like maybe you know where the story is going to go. And he literally does the pulling the tablecloth off from yes. under the china. And the china is still perfectly there. Yes. Like, you're like, oh, that's entirely not what I was expecting at all. And I mean, it's so... Cheers. I went, I went from like really disliking characters to them becoming my favorite in the great hunt it's just oh there's so much going on and it's great and i can't wait to get there yay okay let me finish up where i was let's see here but moraine's response when rand basically accuses her of being a dark friend like i can new spring again i can only think of how that makes her feel on the inside like i'm sure she rage we know rage yeah like we know her story we know what she's doing what her purpose is and of course rand does not know her yet so she's kind of giving him a pass in this moment because he's an ignorant farm boy but He's yes, lived a rage. life of black and white, you know? Yes. He's in this mm-hmm. little idyllic village and... No violence, no disputes right. that can't be handled. And now he's watching this woman sink fairies and, exactly. you know, just <laughs> like... Flash around not even gold. Yeah, not yeah. caring and telling her that she will destroy you. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cool. I mean, uh, yeah. Of course I want to travel with you long term and tell you about the things that are worrying me. Excited. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, Maureen teaching Egwene, I thought was really interesting that she just immediately like jumped in and started doing that. And I get it, but I don't at the same time. And I also couldn't remember if we know anything about her when she was teaching as an accepted, because I'm sure she did some teaching as an accepted, but I can't remember if it's mentioned in New Spring or not. Well, in New Spring, she leaves the tower immediately after she gets the shawl. Yeah. But then when she bonds Lan, she eventually mm-hmm. has to take him back to the tower, I think, is some type of warder something training, or I'm they sure they have cloak. To, 
Yeah, he has to get he has <laughs> gotta get that cloak. So I'm sure there was time where she did that, maybe. Yeah, because I'm like, how long do you think she spent in the tower when she went back? You know? It just I don't know. It was just It's a good question. Yeah, and I'm at the I think one of the things is that Moraine sees a reflection of a queen in herself because here's this young woman with the channel already born into her she's going to touch someone power the same way that Moraine did and Moraine was gently kind of led into it by the Aes Sedai advisor in the palace in Kyrian and so now Moraine is basically returning that kindness to mm-hmm. a queen so when she arrives she doesn't have the wilder stigma that Nynaeve is going to face and I in some ways, I feel like that's one of the moments where we do see kindness from Moraine, but we don't know that that's what it is that's happening until we know more about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I feel about that. Uh, and then the last is the Shirley never before two in one village when she's talking about the fact that there's an, and I mean, this is like her talking out loud and she chastises herself, but re- never never two women of power who could channel from the same village when later on they pick up this entire trove of girls. I think this just has to go back to Robert Jordan not knowing exactly how he was going to... Good point. ...write this world. Yeah. I mean, what? uh, Katsuin and Varen are both from Far Matting, so... That's true. And Far Matting is, like, fucking tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Fall. So I call BS on that, Moraine. Yeah, I just I thought that was really kind of weird. I was like, Ooh. but I mean, maybe like as a way to like introduce the fact that nine, there is another character that is still remaining in the village. Of course, Who can need, like, channel exactly. We need that little thing dropped in there so that w- later on when Nynaeve shows up and it's revealed that she can channel, like mm-hmm. we are excited and like like oh you're the other one. You know what I'm talking about. Why am I explaining this to what you? A big Everybody oopsie. knows this. What a big oopsie. <laughs> Surely never before two girls in one village. I've unraveled Great the entire catch, story. Tracy. <laughs> That's it. I can quit reading. It's done. It's ruined for me forever. I'm just kidding. Okay. Stag and the lion? Stag and the lion, anyone? Yes, <laughs> First thing that stands out, um, the description uh, of the oh, bath, yeah. the ba- the bathing rooms. Like, mm. I want a bathroom like that. Yes. It sounds very luxurious. Oof. But it's also hilarious because Ara, this bathing attendant, <laughs> is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I see little bits of Niram Talmana's manservant in Ara Ooh, with this yeah. kind of sarcastic like a very dry sense of humor, but also kind of funny. This was also the beta version. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But he's, you know, he's making fun of their accents and Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he thinks he's a big smarty pants, I guess. Yeah. Cause he he, lives in Barillon. It's a a big city. Mm -hmm. The city (laughs) slicker. But he also kind of talking about the problems in Saldea Mm-hmm. And he sees the men's weapons and he's like, are you guys seen any trouble along the way? And Matt's like, oh, yeah, like Trollocs, yada, 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 Trollocs, Trollocs, Trollocs. 
And Tom thinks so quick on his feet and he's like, this, don't mind this poor imbecile. He hears my stories and thinks that, you know, it's Mm -hmm. real life or whatever. And and Matt still doesn't get it. And he's like, no, but, and Lan, I think at some point, like, kicks a bucket or throws a bucket. He throws, he throws it on the ground. I, I, I highlighted it because he was like, you are, you are certain to talk about this or determined to talk about this or something. And I mean, yeah. he's probably naked in that moment, too. I mean, he so, has to be, right? Right, because he's standing and he's getting ready to get into his bathtub. He's done all mm-hmm. the things he needs to do. And now, because Perrin jumps in and starts talking shit, too. And Land's like, I'm not having it. So I really want to see... I want like, to see you idiots are going to get us all killed. I want to see this bath scene, Amber. Uh, this is like the... I think this is better than the... Oh, some crows just flew by. What is it? On The Witcher. (laughs) The Witcher, there's a famous Mm. bath scene. But I would like to one-up The Witcher and give us a land bath scene. So, yes, please. But it's, it's it's also said that they might not have... Is it they might not have Berlon on the series? I'd have to double check that. I can understand skipping it. But I can't understand skipping this land bath scene. No. Throwing a bucket. No. No. But- it's just too good. It's too good. <laughs> and actually, one of the things that I really like in that is the description of Tom having suck- sunk down in his bath so that the water was like just right below under his, his nose. nose. Yeah. yeah. And like, I can just see like his white mustache is kind of like floating <laughs> off the sides of his face. <laughs> yeah and he's just sitting there pure happiness like i want this moment it tells so much more than you think a lot of things happen in bathtubs agreed i'm saying agreed (laughs) um we are also getting into uh a little bit of foreshadowing about the children of the light via master fitch Fitch, Mm -hmm. and the bathing attendant was being kind of suspicious Mm -hmm. so it's mentioned at the beginning of the chapter and then it it kind of seems like everyone within the stag and lion is on edge Mm -hmm. and these are people that like to talk Mm -hmm. but it also feels like they keep bringing things up and then having to stop themselves before Mm -hmm. they say too much Mm -hmm. rand mentions that the bathing attendant guy is hiding something as well and We've got, you know, people fleeing from the mountains, Berlon close to bursting, mm-hmm. and we've seen what happens in a chaotic environment mm-hmm. when, before, you know, the Battle of Emmons Field, where the White Cloaks come in, and they seem to just thrive on this chaotic place where they can take advantage and kind of be like we're the saviors Mm -hmm. and then the whole town kind of has like this Stockholm syndrome of Mm -hmm. not wanting to accept them because they feel like they're being protected in a way but also knowing that they are not 100% good people Mm -hmm. so they kind Mm -hmm. yeah they're kind of like they kind of hold towns at hostage and Mm -hmm. I kind of get this feeling with all of the suspicious actions yeah. going on that. Well, and add to that a food shortage. Exactly. Like, you've got a food shortage. You've got overcrowding. You've got unhappy people. Like that's just how do you, that's yeah. How are a the recipe for disaster? 
And or I mean, the children of the light being fed. They're probably cutting into this food storage as a part yeah. of like a tax. So Yep. Yeah. Fucking children um, of the light. Whole the next, episode. There's a yeah. whole episode on it. <laughs> if you want to know how we feel about the children of the light, go listen to it. Children uh, of the Light 101. Um, the next thing is <laughs> men. That's all I'm going to say about that. Because we love men and she's introduced here. So Welcome, yay. men. We're so happy to have you. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I do just love her. I love her attitude. I love the way that she talks to Rand. And I love when we get her in her monologue. I Min's one of my favorites. The next thing is, okay, so I'm <laughs> circling back around this, but Moraine says, says they will stay two nights and then mm-hmm. they will all be leaving. Um, but the boys and girl, I guess, are really happy to be in this, I'm doing air quotes, big city. Big and city. Tom just knows in his heart of hearts that these kids are going to fuck everything up. Yeah, he does. It's almost like he is breaking the third wall because he is mirroring my own <laughs> thoughts right now so much. He's staring into the camera. Do you guys see what I see? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's a bad idea. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> someone just needs to come. I feel bad for Moraine because <laughs> someone needs to come pick up these kids. They need a diaper change. They are reckless and naive and almost bordering unbearable, in my my opinion. They are the type of people who end up, like, being main characters in a horror story, like a horror movie. Yep. And hearing something coming from the basement and say, I'm going to go investigate. I'm going to go look at that, guys. Yeah, they are just so reckless. And, oh, poor land, poor Moraine. Yep. Um... Now I'm going to get into rapid fire things about Rand's creepy dream. I want to hear off, this. I'm excited. Yeah, Rand thinks he's talking to the Dark One himself. And it's kind of, you're kind of led to believe this because mm-hmm. you're getting Rand's thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. We obviously know later on that he's talking to one of the Forsaken, mm-hmm. which is almost why the end of this book is so weird mm-hmm. because if you're not really if you if you're not on the internet like searching for these things or really paying close attention you will miss out on yep. the forsaken and the Those dark one and how yeah they all interact mm-hmm. so especially it, when it goes from like this person is dead then raised again then exactly. dead and now they're gone forever like it's that <laughs> exactly i have opinions about that <laughs> um <laughs> Rand also, when he's in this stone chamber, finds a mirror, I guess, or Mm -hmm. is it water? I can't remember, but he's looking for his reflection and he can't see himself. It's a mirror. So this is kind of, in my opinion, some foreshadowing maybe of Luz Theron slowly taking over his own personality, like not Mm. being able to see himself anymore. Interesting. Um, it could also just be this is something that Baal Zaman or Shamael is uh, like inputting into his dream. Mm-hmm. And this is this is really weird because I don't know where Rand is. Mm-hmm. If Shamael is creating this dream, kind mm-hmm. of something similar to like Teleron Riyad, is it actually in Rand's dreams or is he in a different place? 
creating the surrounding for Rand. I'm a little iffy on how this... My assumption when reading it, especially after going through the entire series and now starting it all over again, Mm -hmm. is that this is either a dream shard that Shamael has created. We definitely see him do the exact same thing later on, especially when he's meeting with the Forsaken. And I think... Mogidian says something about how uh, Ishamayel had always liked to create these really impossible, elaborate, dark scenes mm-hmm. within the dream shards that he would create. So that's what I think this is. And I think I that's think a, the- that's a really strong contender. I think <laughs> I agree there. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's like I remember things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really proud of myself at the moment. So I'm just going to bask in remembering something. <laughs> okay. The um, next weird thing, Wait, Tracy. wait, wait. Oh. Wait, wait. So the other thing that I was thinking that's possible, Rand's dreams are not protected at this point. And Egwin knows how to pull someone and other dreamwalkers know how to pull someone from their dream into from that person's dream into their own dream. Um, So it's mm -hmm. possible for him to do that. And possibly the lack of reflection is Rand's sense of self, perhaps. Like his denial that this is a real place. I I don't necessarily know if it's losing control, but maybe it's like like, one spot where he has control. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Like he's telling himself... This isn't real. Mm-hmm. This is a nightmare. I'm trying to wake up. None of this actually exists. So maybe that's like his like, and I mean, this is totally hypothetical and I'm making it up as I go along because <laughs> I don't know if I've ever thought about this before, but that's that's kind of what I would take from that situation. I love that I you like thought it. about it. Cool. I like thanks. It. That was fun. <laughs> okay. The next weird thing is yes! he is told... That he was bred by the White Tower? Where what? did you get your info? I call what? fake news on this one. Fucking what? <laughs> Fucking what? And in I don't some get ways, it. though, he's kind of right. Like, when he says the thing about how Rand's mother was, like, chosen like a broodmare or something like that, mm-hmm. or, like, chosen by the Aes Sedai, in some ways, that's true. Because Tigray never would have gone to the Waste if Katara Morosa had not been like, so, hey, by the way, the world's going to end if you don't go to the Isle Waste and become a maiden of the mm-hmm. spear. But I don't think... But, dude, the, does the but does the prophecy ex- itself create what happens? Or is it was predestined to happen and the prophecy was like that's what we see like you know it's like the chicken or the egg situation Mm, yes 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 yeah but i mean for that one i was just like that's that's wrong that feels really really wrong i mean no (laughs) i guess if you're a shamayel and you're that cocky you could just say whatever the hell you want yeah. And I mean, there is, I think the thing about this with the Shamael at this moment is there are shards of truth in everything mm-hmm. he says. Like when he says the thing about how he was there for the Trolloc Wars and he was there for whatever other bad That's things That's what I that have happened. right here next. Oh. More info dumping <laughs> about the Trolloc Wars, the Ten Nations, Arthur Hawkwing against Tarvalin. Yeah. Like... 
how cool that moves on to the next question how how much of Arthur Hawkwind's story and demise was because of Ishmael's influence right where yeah. he's saying like I did this I got him to be mistrustful of everyone you know mm-hmm. I did this myself mm-hmm. how much of it how much of that is true or how much of you know, is he just projecting maybe? Like, I am great. I did all this amazing <laughs> stuff. Pats himself on the back. I don't know. I I, I don't know. Like, when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, he really, he has a point. Like, he has a point. And I mean, I think when we did the history of the Forsaken and we were talking about Ishamael, there was something about, like, how often he is considered the dark ones like right hand man yeah like almost like incarnate if you will Mm -hmm. like he is the physical embodiment yes thank you i'm words um (laughs) (laughs) i'm you're probably getting tired it's like eight o'clock for you and you've been working your butt off anyway i i also yeah was like huh Huh. There's just I, there's just this it's so very Sedai in the way he crafts everything he says for Rand in this moment. This is true. This is very true. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to point out that he like introduces us introduces us. <laughs> Words. He introduces him. <laughs> he tells Rand that he is Baalzaman. That's how yeah. he that's what he says. So Ta-da! I Ta-da. think Rand's reaction to that is so appropriate. Like, doesn't he like throw himself backwards towards the door and like try to like frantically like open a, the door? A and, ghost. Ah! Yeah. Like to me, it's just the perfect response to a moment like that. He has a literal freak out for a moment. Love but it. what does this say about Ishamael to introduce himself in this way? Because yeah. Baalzaman means heart of the dark in the old tongue. Mm. And it's not like he's saying, I'm one of the forsaken. I am uh, Elon Tenderoni, Elon Morin <laughs> Tenderoni, whatever, Tenderoni. He's saying, I am the heart of the dark. Like, yeah. excuse me, what? Like, really? You really think highly of yourself, don't you? To give yourself... Like this introduction, like you think the fear song is me, about you? I am the heart of the dark. <laughs> it's like, come on, guy. But this is this makes sense with everything you are saying. How he's kind of isodying his mm-hmm. words and crafting this flashy entrance yeah. to kind of spook Rand, and it works. I just had a thought. Tell me, <laughs> please. <laughs> No. <laughs> Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this was fun. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and other places. Have a good evening. Tell me, don't forget. Tell me. <laughs> oh my god, I will. Oh, oh, okay. I didn't forget. What? Okay, so Rand is having a nightmare. And later on we find out that Matt and Perrin are also having nightmares and they sound like they're having the same nightmare. Mm-hmm. Is he performing this nightmare in triplicate? And how can he do that? Is oh. that why Rand can't see himself in the mirror? Because don't they all? It's wake like a up projection. Kind of, yeah, it's he's like, like a, 
He's like CC all help of these. Help me, Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah, like like he like he's just projecting the same. Yeah, on three different screens. Can no, he because do- he actually reacts though. He actually reacts to Rand That's because true. Rand doesn't drink the goblet, and he and he's seems like, displeased. He's not happy with it. Huh. Maybe he just hops around. Maybe he's like, you get 45 minutes and then I get a 15 minute break. Yeah, I'm sure. The, yeah, I'm sure the dream didn't last that long. He has some coffee in between. And, and then he thinks about how he can make the next one scarier. Yeah, he was like, well, the, the, the back breaking mouse trick, it was good. But how do I make it even better? Does he's anyone, taking notes. Does anyone have a Kringle? I love those things. Go great with my coffee. He has a Danish. How can I make him drink that goblet of whatever it was? Suggestion. Okay. Next question. (laughs) What was in the goblet? Right. I mean, was he was he gonna like fork root Rand? Like, (laughs) and and for what reason? Well, maybe he. I'm thinking Mm. that maybe he thought Rand is lose there in Telemond reborn mm-hmm. and this is like his test mm-hmm. and to see if Rand will try and channel or mm-hmm. remember anything that loose Theron could do he's trying to shake him. and try yeah like yeah try and shake it loose and rattle him a little bit and see if he'll try and channel Ooh. or remember Ooh, anything point. from his mm-hmm. previous life but mm-hmm. Rand really has no fucking idea what's going on so maybe this holds Ishmael off for a little bit because he didn't get any confirmation. Mhm. Oh, interesting. That's a really that's a good thought. I like that. And I mean the other thing is is when he says are you the one? So he's still not sure. So maybe that's why maybe this is an interview process? Yes. So- <laughs> yes. <laughs> um Rand Randell Thor? <laughs> <laughs> Balsamon will see you now. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you have Matt Cawthon at 2.15 p.m., sir. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think we should just end is. it there. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, wait. I have one, one, one last thing, and I, I won't take long, I promise. Okay. So there's just this one, like, it's actually kind of oh. two moments where... Rand wonders if Lan knows Loghain just because of a reaction that Lan has to hearing Loghain's name. And I mm-hmm. kind of thought about it, too. And then I went online and I think it was on uh, Dragon Mount and then Reddit. Reddit is like absolutely reputable. Um, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. I don't use Reddit. Um, but other people had this thought, too. And it's decided maybe but not likely. So I'll like drop links into our show notes in case anyone else is interested. But I just kind of wondered how weird would that be if they did somehow know each other? I mean, he is minor nobility. So, mm. and I'm the other thing is when Moraine and, and Lan are out looking for the Dragon Reborn, they're looking for men who can channel from. And so like, if having Logan, a man that can channel would, yeah, they would I'm sure they checked him out. Yeah, like wouldn't wouldn't that be something if they were like, this is somebody that we checked out and thought he didn't meet the criteria, and now he's rampaging well, and causing wars. And 
It would just depend on how soon or late Moraine realizes the exact age of the person she needs to be checking because Mm -hmm. Loghain is quite a bit older. But Moraine asks Lan about the Aes Sedai and Giladon because of what's going on with Loghain. And Mm -hmm. Lan says he can't really tell because rumors. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure just the talk of this man from within the whole Aes Sedai community, like he's probably infamous at this point anyways okay and so they already have like and i mean as a man who can channel they both are already going to kind of have a prejudice against that individual i would think or like a much more caution yeah and also desire to know what's going on because she she is either potentially sitting with the dragon reborn right now or they fucked up and it's low you know, so there's mm-hmm. still like this like questioning thing happening because even when they were looking for um, like the baby after he was mm-hmm. born in Dragonmount, they were still checking out men who were older. Like that blacksmith was obviously not born during right. the Aiel War, but they don't really have a time frame to well, know she wa- when they weren't. Was oh, the they blacksmith weren't looking for him? The blacksmith was just someone who died, but. They were interviewing his wife, right? Because, yeah, because he had she displayed had like this, like luck kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was. I don't remember exactly, but I feel as though they really didn't have a good idea of what the age range of this person was going to be. Like, maybe I misunderstood it. Regardless, I don't know if they would have crossed paths with Logan or not, but that's the one way that I can see that it may have happened. Would make sense. As I say, you have sense. You have your thinking face on, or you have your "Let's wrap this show up and be done." Eyes glazed over. (laughs) These are not my Desdemona eyes. These are my "I need to take a nap" eyes. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) So I think we can leave it at that. Yeah, end it off right there. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.